There's a word that the Bible uses a fair bit that um, when we say it, it can end, end up sounding a bit wooden because it's not something we use in our language. And that word is behold. Okay. Now, the best way that I can get you to understand the word behold is, look, would you look at that? Okay. All right. So let's look at this. Look, would you look at that? The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is something exciting. Wow! Would you look at that? On Christmas morning, we remember and we celebrate the birth of a little baby boy. Not just any baby, but God himself. Now, for those of you who are around about my age, if you're older than me, you'll have gone, oh, that noisy rubbish. If you're younger than me, you go, what the? You'll remember a song... um, in 1995, by Joan Osborne, it was a number one hit single, which, which called "One of Us," and in it she asked the question, "What if God was one of us?" So, who's about my age and actually knows that song? Yeah, okay. Now, that's a pretty bizarre sort of a question to ask. But what if God was one of us? That's a bit like asking, "What if the sun was hot?" or, or "What if the water was wet?" or "What if politicians didn't always tell the truth?" You see, God was one of us. And in Jesus Christ, God did become human. He emptied himself of his glory. He emptied himself of his immortality so that he could not only live as one of us, but so that he could die as humans can die. And Jesus has completed that part of his mission. He was born, he taught, he suffered, he died, he rose, he ascended into heaven. That's what we believe. Now, if... If this, all this has been done, is God still with us today? To know God as Emmanuel, which means God with us, does that mean that I would have had to have lived in first century Judea? Does that mean that I would have had to have been there to look down at this little baby in a manger? Would I have had to walk the road to Jerusalem so I can look up at this cross of wood, stained black by the drying of blood? When today I share with a Christian brother or sister who are going through the most horrendous of circumstances and the only encouraging words that I can give them is God is with you, am I telling porky pies or is that actually true? Is God actually with us? Is there any encouragement? Is there any joy in those words today anymore? I guess what I'm asking is, is God, God Emmanuel today... Or did he stop being with us when Jesus ascended into heaven? On Sunday just gone, I spoke about preparing for Christmas. And we went forwards a page or two in the Bible to hear how John the Baptist told us that we should prepare for the coming of Christ. And what we learned is that Jesus Christ impacts greatly on every single one of us. This is what John the Baptist said. He said, I baptise you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with Holy Spirit and fire. Now let there be absolutely no mistake. The Lord Jesus Christ has a dramatic impact on every single one of us. Those who reject Christ will be judged and condemned to hell. That's what John meant when he said they will be baptised with fire. 
But the story is very different for those who receive Christ. For those who receive Christ, they are impacted in a very different way, but a very, very powerful way. Those who receive Christ, John says, will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? When Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure, he said to them, look, I'm going to leave you shortly, but, but don't be too sad about that, because unless I go, I can't send you my Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, the Christian church, of course, was baptised with the Holy Spirit. And Christians today are baptised with the Holy Spirit. What it means is God makes his home in the heart of the believer and they'll never be the same again. There's an old kid's song that I learned at Sunday school and I bet some of you know it, Joy, is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Does anyone know that song? From the castle of my heart, from the castle of my heart, Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Why? For the king is in residence there. Well done, Kay. What, what are we singing about? We're singing about Emmanuel, God with us, God the king resident in my heart. Now, if Jesus didn't ascend to heaven, and if he was still walking the earth today, can you imagine what his Christmas schedule would be like? Hey, it'd be pretty busy. How, how long, how far ahead would we have to book to get Jesus to turn up in, in this little combined service gathering here in little old St George? I reckon we'd probably get about a three-second time slot at about two minutes to midnight, December the 25th in the year 2147. That's probably about how long it would take Jesus to get here. You see, God could not be with everyone. God could not be with every single one of us if it depended on Jesus walking around or, or fly, even flying around and getting chauffeur driven around the world to see us all in person. And so God sent his Holy Spirit so that he could truly be with every single one who, who are believers in him in a very real and a very personal way. God is with us today because when you give your heart to God, he gives his Holy Spirit to you. He fills his people with his Holy Spirit. Okay. So tell me now, what does Emmanuel mean? What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. That's right. I want you to understand this. It does not mean baby with us. We don't drive around our cars with a yellow square sticker that wobbles around as we drive saying Emmanuel on board. Right? Emmanuel does not mean baby. It means God with us. God was a baby, but God ain't no baby no more. Now, we probably all know somewhere an overprotective mother does anyone know any overprotective mothers who, who want to keep their 36-year-old son as her little boy and, and um, you know, if she had her way, he'd still be going to bed at 7 o'clock at night with a warm bottle and a teddy bear? <laughs> now, looking at the looks on your faces, you all know an overprotective mother just like that, wanting to keep their little boy as a baby. And we can laugh about that. But you know what? A lot of people 
just want to keep Jesus as a baby. Jesus is not a baby anymore. Because there's a lot of people in the world today who for them Emmanuel means baby with us, not God with us. That's where we fall in love with this idea, this notion of Christmas and, and this little baby. And you know what, babies are pretty safe. You know why Christmas time is loved by everybody and, and not just by Christians? It's because they want to keep Jesus as a baby. Because they want to remember a baby in a manger. Because there's a baby, well there's nothing offensive about a baby. Babies are great. I remember when our kids were born, we, we actually made the decision they're not going to bust up our schedule. Um, we can, they're going to fit right in. We're going to train them to do that. And you know what? They did. Right? Babies, if you make them, will bend to the will of the parents. You can just, I just love it when they're little, you can just wrap them up and put them down on anybody's floor and that's where they'll stay. Like they don't get up and wander off into mischief when they're babies. Toddlers are a different matter. Um, yeah, you're the one who decides when it is that's going to be their feed time. You're the one who decides when it's time for them to go to bed and if they start getting a bit grisly and grumpy, well, guess what? You can decide to put them to bed earlier. They'll eventually go to sleep. That's what babies are about. Babies don't ask you tough questions. Not like teenagers. Babies don't tell you hard truths. Not like parents. Babies will not judge you. And actually by the time they get old enough to, um, to realise what it is that you're doing, well, by then it's, they've forgotten what you did when they were babies anyway. Babies are great, but they have a habit of growing up. And when Jesus walked the road to the cross, he was no baby anymore. When Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and argued the law with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was no baby. And when Jesus returns again to judge the living and the dead, every eye will see and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're not going to be seeing a baby. Now, Christmas time is where we hear a lot about the spirit of Christmas. You hear it in, in literature. These days, movies, Christmas movies. My kids always ask me, why does all these Christmas movies come on year after year after year? Well, because it's Christmas, boys. Get used to it. Now, so Christmas movies, greeting cards, literature, we always hear about the spirit of Christmas. Can anyone define for me the spirit of Christmas? Tell me what the world is looking for when they talk about the spirit of Christmas. Just some words. Compassion. Sorry? Compassion. Compassion. Yes. Peace. Peace. Yes. Love. Love. Yes. What else? Goodwill. Goodwill. Yep. Generosity. All sorts of stuff. Now I want to tell you about the real Christmas spirit. The real Christmas spirit is Emmanuel, God with us. The real Christmas spirit is the Holy Spirit inside of us. I have grown exceedingly tired of messages about Christmas, not only from movies but, but also coming from pulpits, I've grown exceedingly tired of messages about Christmas 
telling us to try a little bit harder for the day. I've grown tired of messages telling everyone to get on, do it, get on. Telling everyone to be generous, telling everyone to have peace. How do you do that? Have peace, Michael. Oh, okay, I'll be peaceful. How do you do that? I've grown tired of it because it's not the real Christmas spirit. It's only trying to mimic the Christmas spirit. Let me explain. At Christmas time, those who are without God, those who, for them, God means just nothing, well, okay, they might do that. Well, let's just try that little bit harder for the spirit of the season. Let's just, let's just all get on for the day. Yeah? And, and they try and try and try and get on. At the end of the day, they're just exhausted. But then there's another step. Most people who have any sort of moral compass modify their behaviour depending on who's around. So, in a shearing shed, you hear the words ducks on the pond and everybody stops swearing because they know a woman has entered the shed. Is that right, John? At least that's the way it used to be in the old days. These days, it's just as likely a woman is in the shed and she swears more than all the men. <laughs> yeah. Okay, when, when you're driving along, you've got a police car behind you. We're just that little bit extra careful with our behaviour, aren't we? Yeah? Um, what about when you're at the school and the, and the high school principal or the primary school principal or whatever it is, is walking through the playground? You just modify your behaviour just that little bit, don't you? I know as a minister or a pastor, something that I find really funny is people get really embarrassed when they when they accidentally let go of a swear word, and, they, and particularly people who aren't Christians, they always call me father. Okay, I go, oh, oh, sorry father. It's like, oh, it's the worst thing I've ever done. I've offended a pastor, I've said a swear word. But we modify our behaviour depending on those who are around us. Now this is where the problem is though. Many Christians even live as if God is a baby in the corner paying no attention to us or our behaviour. Paying just acting as if God's this little baby in the corner who doesn't care, doesn't know what's going on. Instead of living as if the one true God is right here with us in our heart. And when you become aware that God is really with you, that God is with you 24-7, you begin to modify your behaviour. All right? So God convicts us that changes have got to happen in our lives and we start working on that. But that's only the second step. That's just the beginning. I'll tell you what the true spirit of Christmas is about. It's when the God who is living inside of you does his work of transformation in you. We Christians like to give things big words and we call that sanctification. That's where God changes us. God sanctifies us. God doesn't just take away what is unholy. He starts to make us holy, act and behave as God himself. The true spirit of Christmas is not simply trying that little bit harder to be a better person. The true spirit of Christmas is the death of self 
It is the surrendering of pride, the pride of self, to God. So that the God who transforms lives changes who we are. And he changes how we behave. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul describes the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We could have just been describing the spirit of Christmas, eh? But we're not. We're describing the fruit of the Spirit. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. Try as I might, I can't change myself. I try, and God likes it when we try to work with him. But it is God who changes hearts. It's only God who can change my heart. And if you're lacking this sort of fruit in your life, there's only one cure for it. You've got to get right with God, put off your old self and crave, get that word, crave for God to change you. You've got to really want it and ask Him for it. This Christmas, don't be content with pretending to love each other. Don't be content with creating an illusion of peace and joy around the Christmas table. Don't settle for anything less than the real thing. Ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Pray and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Be reconciled with God and be reconciled with one another. Crucify the fleshly nature that you have. This fleshly nature that we all have that works in opposition to the Spirit. Give up your pride and submit to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be to us Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, our prayer is that this Christmas we wouldn't only be trying harder, but that you would work out through us, changing us to be more like you. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. As we give up our pride, as we crucify our lusts, our self-righteousness and the works of our flesh, Lord, fill all of these areas of our lives with your Spirit. Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit be evidenced in our lives. Fill us with love. Fill us with joy. Fill us with peace. Fill us with patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And Lord, may the Spirit of Christmas be the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, not just today, but for our whole lives. God with us. God in us. Amen.